0: Chapter Three of Persuasion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Judy Gynan. Persuasion by Jane Austen. Chapter Three. I must take leave to observe, Sir Walter, said Mr Shepherd one morning at Kellynitch Hall, as he laid down the newspaper, that the present juncture is much in our favour this peace will be turning all our rich naval officers ashore they will be all wanting a home could not be a better time sir walter for having a choice of tenants very responsible tenants many a noble fortune has been made during the war if a rich admiral were to come in our way sir walter he would be a very lucky man shepherd replied sir walter that's all i have to remark a prize indeed would killinage hall be to him rather the greatest prize of all let him have taken ever so many before hey shepherd mr shepherd laughed as he knew he must at this wit and then added i presume to observe sir walter that in the way of business gentlemen of the navy are well to deal with i have had a little knowledge of their methods of doing business And I am free to confess that they have very liberal notions, and are as likely to make desirable tenants as any set of people one should meet with. Therefore, Sir Walter, what I would take leave to suggest is that if, in consequence of any rumours getting abroad of your intention, which must be contemplated as a possible thing, because we know how difficult it is to keep the actions and designs of one part of the world from the notice and curiosity of the other, consequence has its tax i john shepherd might conceal any family matters that i chose for nobody would think it worth their while to observe me but sir walter elliot has eyes upon him which it may be very difficult to elude, and therefore thus much i venture upon that it will not greatly surprise me if with all our caution some rumour of the truth should get abroad in the supposition of which as i was going to observe since applications will unquestionably follow i should think any from our wealthy naval commanders particularly worth attending to and beg leave to add that two hours will bring me over at any time to save you the trouble of replying sir Walter only nodded but soon afterwards rising and pacing the room he observed sarcastically there are few among the gentlemen of the navy i imagine who would not be surprised to find themselves in a house of this description they would look around them no doubt and bless their good fortune said mrs clay for mrs clay was present her father had driven her over nothing being of so much use to mrs clay's health as a drive to Kellinich, but i quite agree with my father in thinking a sailor might be a very desirable tenant i have known a good deal of the profession and besides their liberality they are so neat and careful in all their ways these valuable pictures of yours sir walter if you chose to leave them would be perfectly safe everything in and about the house would be taken such excellent care of "'The gardens and shrubberies would be kept in almost as high order as they are now. "'You need not be afraid, Miss Elliot, of your own sweet flower gardens being neglected. "'As to all that,' rejoined Sir Walter coolly. "'supposing I were induced to let my house, "'I have by no means made up my mind as to the privileges to be annexed to it. "'I am not particularly disposed to favor a tenant. "'The park would be open to him, of course.' and few navy officers or men of any other description can have had such a range, but what restrictions I might impose on the use of the pleasure grounds is another thing. I am not fond of the idea of my shrubberies being always approachable, and I should recommend Miss Elliot to be on her guard with respect to her flower garden. I am very little disposed to grant a tenant of Kellynch Hall any extraordinary favor, I assure you, be he sailor or soldier. After a short pause, Mr. Shepherd presumed to say, in all these cases there are established usages which make everything plain and easy between landlord and tenant your interest sir walter is in pretty safe hands depend upon me for taking care that no tenant has more than his just rights i venture to hint that sir walter Elliot cannot be half so jealous for his own as john Shepherd would be for him here anne spoke the navy i think who have done so much for us have at least an equal claim with any other set of men for all the comforts and all the privileges which any home can give sailors work hard enough for their comforts we must all allow very true very true what miss anne says is very true was mr shepherd's rejoinder, and oh certainly was his daughter's but sir walter's remark was soon afterwards the profession has its utility but i should be sorry to see any friend of mine belonging to it indeed was the reply and with a look of surprise yes it is in two points offensive to me I have two strong grounds of objection to it. First as being the means of bringing persons of obscure birth into undue distinction and raising men to honors which their fathers and grandfathers never dreamt of. And secondly, as it cuts up a man's youth and vigor most horribly, a sailor grows old sooner than any other man. I've observed it all my life. A man is in greater danger in the navy of being insulted by the rise of one whose father his father might have disdained to speak to, and of becoming prematurely an object of disgust himself than in any other line. One day last spring in town I was in company with two men striking instances of what I am talking of. Lord St. Ives, whose father we all know to have been a country curate without bread to eat, I was to give place to Lord St. Ives and a certain Admiral Baldwin, the most deplorable looking personage you can imagine. His face the color of mahogany, rough and rugged to the last degree, all lines and wrinkles nine gray hairs of a side and nothing but a dab of powder at top in the name of heaven who is that old fellow said i to a friend of mine who was standing near sir basil morley old fellow cried sir basil it is admiral baldwin what do you take his age to be sixty said i or perhaps sixty-two. Forty, replied sir basil forty and no more picture to yourselves my amazement I shall not easily forget Admiral Baldwin. I never saw quite so wretched an example of what a seafaring life can do. But to a degree, I know it is the same with them all. They are all knocked about and exposed to every climate and every weather till they are not fit to be seen. It is a pity that they are not knocked on the head at once before they reach Admiral Baldwin's age. Nay, Sir Walter, cried Mrs. Clay, this is being severe indeed. Have a little mercy on the poor men. We are not all born to be handsome the sea is no beautifier certainly sailors do grow old betimes i have observed it they soon lose the look of youth but then is not it the same with many other professions perhaps most other soldiers in active service are not at all better off and even in the quieter professions there is a toil and a labor of the mind if not of the body which seldom leaves a man's looks to the natural effect of time the lawyer plods quite careworn the physician is up at all hours and traveling in all weather and even the clergyman she stopped a moment to consider what might do for the clergyman and even the clergyman you know is obliged to go into infected rooms and expose his health and looks to all the injury of a poisonous atmosphere in fact as i have long been convinced though every profession is necessary and honorable in its turn it is only the lot of those who are not obliged to follow any who can live in a regular way in the country, choosing their own hours, following their own pursuits, and living on their own property without the torment of trying for more. It is only their lot, I say, to hold the blessings of health and a good appearance to the utmost. I know no other set of men but what lose something of their personableness when they cease to be quite young. It seemed as if Mr. Shepherd in this anxiety to bespeak mr walter's good will towards a naval officer as tenant had been gifted with foresight for the very first application for the house was from an admiral croft with whom he shortly afterwards fell into company in attending the quarter sessions at taunton and indeed he had received a hint of the admiral from a london correspondent by the report which he hastened over to kellynitch to make admiral croft was a native of somersetshire who having acquired a very handsome fortune was wishing to settle in his own country and had come down to taunton in order to look at some advertised places in that immediate neighborhood which however had not suited him that accidentally hearing it was just as he had foretold mr shepherd observed sir walter's concerns could not be kept a secret accidentally hearing of the possibility of kellynitch hall being to let and understanding his mr shepherd's connection with the owner he had introduced himself to him in order to make particular inquiries and had in the course of a pretty long conference expressed as strong an inclination for the place as a man who knew it only by description could feel and given mr shepherd in his explicit account of himself every proof of his being a most responsible eligible tenant and who was admiral croft was sir walter's cold suspicious inquiry Mr. Shepherd answered, for his being of a gentleman's family, and mentioned a place, and Anne, after the little pause which followed, added, "'He is a Rear admiral of the White. He was in the Trafalgar action, and has been in the East Indies since. He was stationed there, I believe, several years.' "'Then I take it for granted,' observed Sir Walter, "'that his face is about as orange as the cuffs and capes of my livery.' mr shepherd hastened to assure him that admiral croft was a very hale hearty well-looking man a little weather-beaten to be sure but not much and quite the gentleman in all his notions and behavior not likely to make the smallest difficulty about terms only wanted a comfortable home and to get into it as soon as possible knew he must pay for his convenience knew what rent a ready-furnished house of that consequence might fetch should not have been surprised if sir walder had asked more had inquired about the manor, would be glad of the deputation certainly, but made no great point of it, said he sometimes took out a gun, but never killed quite the gentleman. Mr. Shepherd was eloquent on the subject, pointing out all the circumstances of the admiral's family, which made him peculiarly desirable as a tenant. He was a married man, and without children, the very state to be wished for. A house was never taken good care of, Mr. Shepherd observed, without a lady, he did not know whether furniture might be in danger of suffering as much where there was no lady as where there were many children a lady without a family was the very best preserver of furniture in the world he had seen mrs croft too she was at taunton with the admiral and had been present almost all the time they were talking the matter over and a very well-spoken genteel shrewd lady she seemed to be continued he asked more questions about the house and the terms and taxes than the admiral himself and seemed more conversant with business and moreover sir walter i found she was not quite unconnected in this country any more than her husband that is to say she is sister to a gentleman who did live amongst us once she told me so herself sister to the gentleman who lived a few years back at montfort bless me what was his name at this moment i cannot recollect his name though i have heard it so lately Penelope, my dear, can you help me to the name of the gentleman who lived at Montfort, Mrs. Croft's brother? But Mrs. Clay was talking so eagerly with Miss Elliot that she did not hear the appeal. I have no conception whom you can mean, Shepherd. I remember no gentleman resident at Montfort since the time of old Governor Trent. Bless me, how very odd. I shall forget my own name soon, I suppose. A name that I am so very well acquainted with. Knew the gentleman so well by sight, seen him a hundred times, came to consult me once, I remember, about a trespass of one of his neighbors, farmer's man breaking into his orchard, wall torn down, apple stolen, caught in the fact, and afterwards, contrary to my judgment, submitted to an amicable compromise, very odd indeed, after waiting another moment. You mean Mr. Wentworth, I suppose, said Anne. Mr. Shepherd was all gratitude. Wentworth was the very name. Mr. Wentworth was the very man he had the courtesy of montford you know sir walter some time back for two or three years came here about the year five i take it you remember him i am sure wentworth oh i mr wentworth the curate of montford you misled me by the term gentleman i thought you were speaking of some man of property mr wentworth was nobody i remember quite unconnected nothing to do with the strafford family one wonders how the names of many of our nobility become so common as mr shepherd perceived that this connection of the crofts did them no service with sir walter he mentioned it no more returning with all his zeal to dwell on the circumstances more indisputably in their favour their age and number and fortune the high idea they had formed of kellynitch hall and extreme solicitude for the advantage of renting it making it appear as if they ranked nothing beyond the happiness of being the tenants of sir walter Elliot an extraordinary taste certainly could they have been supposed in the secret of sir walter's estimate of the dues of a tenant it succeeded however and though sir walter must ever look with an evil eye on any one intending to inhabit that house and think them infinitely too well off in being permitted to rent it on the highest terms he was talked into allowing mr shepherd to proceed in the treaty and authorizing him to wait on admiral croft who still remained at taunton and fix a day for the house being seen sir walter was not very wise but still he had experience enough of the world to feel that a more unobjectable tenant in all essentials than admiral croft bid fair to be could hardly offer so far went his understanding and his vanity supplied a little additional soothing in the admiral's situation in life which was just high enough and not too high I have let my house to Admiral Croft would sound extremely well, very much better than to any mere Mr. A Mr. save perhaps some half dozen in the nation always needs a note of explanation. An Admiral speaks his own consequence, and at the same time can never make a baronet look small. In all their dealings and intercourse, Sir Walter Elliot must ever have the precedence. Nothing could be done without a reference to Elizabeth but her inclination was growing so strong for a removal that she was happy to have it fixed and expediated by a tenant at hand and not a word to suspend decision was uttered by her mr shepherd was completely empowered to act and no sooner had such an end been reached than anne who had been a most attentive listener to the whole left the room to seek the comfort of cool air for her flushed cheeks and as she walked along a favorite grove said with a gentle sigh A few months more and he perhaps may be walking here. End of chapter three. Recording by Judy Guinan.